Thanks for tuning in to Solving for B, the podcast that takes you to the forefront of branding and marketing. In this week's installment, we'll tackle an unusual challenge. What happens when your brand becomes too big to manage? Join us as we navigate the process and discuss real-life examples of brands that overextended themselves. Hello and welcome into another edition of Solving for B. Today we're talking about managing a brand. More specifically, we're going to be talking about how to keep your brand manageable in the face of expansion and growth. We'll also talk about what you can do if your brand has already overextended itself. To help me address this topic, I'm joined by brand strategist Leslie Rainwater. Hi. Chairman Jonathan Fisher. Hello. And President and CEO Bo Bodie. Hey. Thanks for stopping in today, guys. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges that big, multifaceted brands, like for GE, for example, uh, let's talk about some of the, the, the challenges, uh, unique challenges that they face. Well, I think, you know, corporations that have been around a long time and have scaled over the years through acquisition and expansion of product or service or market, I think eventually what happens is you don't really know what they do anymore. <laughs> it can become difficult. They can lose their positioning in the marketplace. Um, and, you know, not to mention that they have, you know, occasionally competing services and, and conflicting strategies uh, between products or services within those markets if they aren't careful. So at, at its core, I think managing a brand that's, you know, sort of sprawling um, can be a real challenge and compounded by the fact of whether they, you know, are a house of brands or a branded house, uh, depending upon their strategy for how they grew in that process. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between, you mentioned a house of brands or a branded house. Can you talk a little bit, like, is there a distinction between the two? Yeah, well, in house of brands, you have many brands under the roof, you know, independent brands. If you take a Procter & Gamble uh, model, you know, you've got, um, you know, Windex, you know, and then you've got many other cleaning products or, you know, household products or things like that. And they're all independent brands versus, you know, uh, if you take a, a branded house approach, a Revlon model, for example, then everything is a Revlon product. Got it. Um, in that regard. Okay. Um, are there specific examples like um, that we can point to, like of a brand um, spreading themselves too thin? I mean, there's there's multiple ways that that a brand can kind of become unmanageable. Um, are there any real-life examples of, of brands that we know that maybe spread themselves too thin or have kind of gotten themselves in over their own heads um, by, by trying to be too much to too, too many people? Well, I think, Chris, the one thing you mentioned, we open with GE, right? And, and those of us that are older um, remember GE as a manufacturer of appliances. Uh, and over time, they became a financial you know, company. You know, with GE, you know, their their financing for those products actually overran the size and profit for the company that were actually making things. And now GE is in its third iteration as a company um, working in industries and energy, aeronautics, other things, right? And now those it sells off divisions. Um, but, you know, what was the GE brand, right? And I remember... Was it, we bring good things to light? Uh, life, life, right? But it was GE. When I grew up, I associated that with light because of light bulbs, because GE light bulbs were a big deal. Um, you know, those things all impact the way you think about a brand, um, whether consumer or, man, you know, or business to business. Um, those kinds of things you know, 
look at the brand, the recent troubles that Starbucks had um, with, you know, from a legal standpoint, if you look all the way back to their, you know, what Starbucks has effectively become is the McDonald's of today, right? It's a drive-through coffee place. Um, I want some sugary, expensive drink. When the brand was created, it was created as the third place, and they, their website talks about that, right? And I think as these organizations become global, there are more and more stores, more and more people to have to train, more and more people to have to influence. You know, sometimes they start to make decisions. You know, they were a real estate play for a long time and probably still are. Um, but the reality is their spaces became smaller. They became less comfortable to sit in. Yeah, there's a couple of Starbucks near, you know, near me that I frequent regularly, and I think they have maybe three tables. You know, I mean, they're skinny little, and the lines are so, there's not even a space. Sometimes the lines are out the door. So I hardly associate the the brand as a place to well, be and also anymore. To, yeah, and to expand on that, not to pick on Starbucks, yeah. but um, they also, if you'll remember, decided to go into serving food. And, you know, they started to expand out to that, and it just... Their they you know their brand got a little unmanageable and people didn't look at them for that they were look at them as a place to go and a coffee place and things like that so that wasn't successful and they had to pull back a little bit. I think they've even lost the cause marketing you know the, they would all used to be about you know sustainable you know organic beans from farmers and you know around the world and globe and I thought they I think they've even drifted away from that so you you've got this you know, uh, fraying of the brand at its edges and its physical spaces and its commoditization and, um, and its service delivery and what it stands for anymore. And I, I think that's a really good example of a brand that maybe kind of got too big and lost its way. No, but I think that that speaks to, you know, one of the things you guys we've talked about is the maturing market, right? I mean, what does the market expect from the brand over time? And does that change its mission? You know, does it change why they exist and and why somebody spends money for that for a specific brand, you know, whether it be a consumer brand like coffee, or it's a drill bit, or it's a widget that goes into something, you know, there's as companies grow, their product hits the market. People respond or react to that product. Over time, you know, those things change, right? They make adjustments, and it changes the company. Is it advisable to? to adjust your, your brand strategy, adjust your brand uh, based on um, markets that are maturing and evolving. I mean, as a business owner, I'm thinking, well, this is who I am. This is, no matter what happens, I have to stay true to my core values. Is it advisable to, to maybe adjust your stance on different things? I mean, mm-hmm. what's our stance on that? Man, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, you know, IBM, I mean, international business machines. You know, they made computers. Now, those computers were punch cards, you know, and then those computers, you know, effectively that brand switched to the computers being, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, and also people, you know, consulting. And so, you know, they haven't deliberately come out and said, here's what changed about our brand, but they've definitely morphed. Uh, But they've been able to maintain that we're, we're very smart, we're behind everything you do, we're in what you do, we're making good decisions. They've maintained that part of their brand. Does it change their mission? I don't know. You know, maybe. Maybe their mission was to bring information to people. Or maybe their mission was to connect people. I haven't really studied their mission mm-hmm. statement, which would be a good thing to do. <laughs> um, right. but, but And to your, to your point, though, um, and you know, to address your question, as the market matures or changes, 
when they were originally in computers and doing things like that, then the market became more crowded and computers became a commodity, right? They mm -hmm. kept getting cheaper and cheaper. But what people still needed and that they discovered was they needed the solutions. They needed to figure out how do I put all this together? How do I make it run? So to jump in front of the market or to respond to that was really smart. And it, they kept their brand, but they just shifted a right. little bit. I mean, if the purpose of their information was to process information as opposed to make computers, well, that's a pretty broad... I mean, you can change your services around that. And if, so from an ethos standpoint, I haven't studied that brand very much, but from an ethos standpoint, I would assume that that's probably what they've done. Yeah, I think it's whether you, sometimes you might have a more tactical or more narrowly defined brand position in the marketplace when you're starting out your business. And I think you find that as you evolve and scale that sometimes you have to step back to more higher level strategic, slightly broader, you know, purpose to, you know, to connect the world, for example, or to provide information, you know, through expediency of technology you know, okay, well, I'm still manufacturing the hardware and the software and the consulting around it, but it's it's really around the benefit of the product, which is the information mm -hmm. delivery more so than the product itself. So is it an evolution? Probably it is, you know, a little bit of a reset. I think where companies get into trouble is where they they start and they stop and they sh completely shift and they, and they never kind of, you know, they, they sort of abandon. And, you, and, you know, that used to be the, the sign of death during the dot-com industry, working with a lot of dot-com startups, was the ones that would constantly just zig and zag and shift right and left, you know, you knew they weren't going to survive. Right. You, just, you just knew it. And you could tell really quickly the ones that, that kind of, you know, is it Jim Collins talks about his smack list, I think it is, in Good to Great. And it's basically that recipe for success. So if that, and you can tell when the brand is just evolving a little bit, that recipe for success is there from the start. Yeah. You know, and you tinker with it a little bit, but you don't throw it out. Right. Well, so it so it sounds like it's something that we need to consider early on because Jonathan, you mentioned if your if your mission or your your um, your core values are, are too tactically focused, then you run the risk of pigeonholing yourself, right? And then having to take that step back and say, well, really, we're this. And and so I think it takes some foresight when you're developing your brand to say, um, you know, we're not making X Y Z widget. We're we're really trying to solve this problem uh from a from a higher level well and to Bo's point you know around starbucks you know they they drifted off of their you know place to be and so therefore they had operational issues with you know running contrary to well i, I have so many seats i need to move you're not buying anything no you said it was a place to be so i, I think that you know that's, a, that's a, an example of what happens when that scale and that scope creep starts to come into the brand and you don't manage it effectively mm -hmm. good point um, so we've talked a little bit about uh, companies spreading themselves too thin. We've, we've also just touched on, um, you know, changing as markets mature and evolve. Um, one other thing, and if we, you know, we go back to our GE example, is um, if um, GE Aeronautics is doing poorly or the market's going down, is that going to affect, to Bo's point, the, um, the, the appliance sales? Is it, are, are those two things, they're not really related, right? They're business units, but um, how do you... I mean, what are some things to look out for there? Well, I think it depends a little bit on how the brand is set up. Jonathan talked about brand architecture. Um, in GE's case, as they've bought and sold, divested, added um, different pieces, it, 
I think originally it hurt them, right? And there's always the financial drag, right? If there is a large business division that is off, you know, that is providing certain amount of revenue that's low margin to the bottom line, it affects the stock price, right? But from a brand presence standpoint, GE now is known for being in and out of different types of businesses. So it, as long as those businesses are managed appropriately, and if one is flailing, they're known for, if we're not one or two in business, different businesses, we're going to get rid of them. That was kind of a Jack Welch mainstay, right? And so they've started to make adjustments based on that. If you're a Starbucks and all of your brand, every one of your locations is repeatable, right? I mean, it's, I, I have been sold the same experience at every one of the locations. Um, that's going to impact if one has a big egregious problem. That's going to impact the overall brand. And so... Um, there are benefits to having a house of brands or a branded house. There are benefits to having different divisions or different global units being separate. Uh, but there are also costs to that. You have to manage those costs individually. You have to look at them differently. So you don't get the benefits of having everything pulled together either. So what are some of the um, the factors to consider whenever you're, you know, we're talking about brand architecture here. What are, I mean, what dictates what type of brand architecture you should put together? Is it industry? Is it, um, you know, relatability to um, to the different types of, of un- business units you have? I always start with corporate goals and vision. I mean, where does the company want to go? And, you know, what is their strategy for getting there? Um, and if they plan to be highly diversified and at some point sell off those business units, then having brands that can travel with the units is going to be more advantageous. You know, if you're trying to sell off a service and it's not branded, you know, you've lost some equity value in that process. And maybe it's they're, you know, they're carving business units out. They may be planning on doing spin outs, you know, in which case, you know, if you have a branded house and you want to do a spin out, then you've got to create a whole nother brand from, you know, which is more costly and time consuming than if you'd had a, a house of brands to begin with. Yeah, that's a good segue because I, I was going to say, like, what are some of the things um, when we're talking about, um, you know, we've, we've talked about some of the potential pitfalls. But what are some of the ways to, to avoid those pitfalls or, or, or um, manage those or keep your brand from becoming unmanageable? And it sounds like it's kind of like look before you leap. Um, really consider everything. Um, it's, it's why you can't go into a, a branding exercise uh, flippantly and, and, and not really and, and even open mindedly. Right. You need to think about it from all from all angles. Yeah, you you talk about look before you leap, then you look at cause and effect. You know, if I have two brands, if if I decide that I'm going to have two different brands under one roof, then I have to manage those brands. And what's the cost of those brands? And how do those brands interplay? And what kind of confusion does that cause for investors? Or does that, what kind of confusion does it cause for teammates internally? Um, I think the second or the third piece to that could be you know push down the message, um, but also bottom-up leadership. Um, I'm reading right now um, Extreme Ownership uh, by Will Inc. and Babin, um, Navy SEALs, you know, applied stuff. They've Over 10 years, they've built this consulting firm. But one of the things they talk about um, is they talk about decentralized command. You know, they talk about if you are going to have a brand and that brand is going to flourish and it's going to grow, you know, making sure that there's not one person that's making all the decisions. You know, when you've got a when you've got a location, a manufacturing facility in some far flung place in the world, and they have to call you to call another person to call another person to make a decision, 
you know, they're not going to be effective. But also if there's a disconnect in what the purpose is, if there's a disconnect in what the mission is, if there's a disconnect in how we're going to understand, I'll be on the same page about how we're going to deliver the product from a financial standpoint, from an operational standpoint, and from a just ethos feeling standpoint. Um, those things can get in the way of that, that brand actually growing. So decentralizing command is a big part of that. I think the other thing that I would add to that is if you use the example of how we do positioning for brands and creating a brand pyramid, it's essentially a litmus test as much as it is, you know, a filter for what fits and doesn't fit within the brand's strategy and messaging and hierarchy. And so if you have that figured out on the front end, then you can pretty easily start to test your ideas to see whether they're going to work within or outside of those parameters. And if they're going to work outside the parameters, what's it going to do to the, you know, to that, that model, more or less. So I think it starts with some, you know, maybe a little fencing, <laughs> if right. you, could, you could refer to it in its simplest form. And we just, I mean, we've just worked with, you know, Leslie, um, and I just worked with a client that, you know, we went in to redo their mission and values and kind of help them define, you know, a purpose statement and kind of redefine. And the reality was, you know, they had gotten into four different, wholly different industries. Now, the things that they did for those industries were very consistent. You know, they, they, the technologies that they used and they were able to use from the different experiences they had to put together for the different industries that they served were great. But the organization was definitely focused on one industry. And they were definitely geared up to deliver for that industry. They just happened to be able to deliver the same types of technology in different places. And so it fundamentally changed what their mission statement was. It fundamentally changed. Now... The purpose of the organization never changed. You know, what they, what they did at the end of the day as engineers, as developers, as, as manufacturers, um, as technology people um, was the same, but it wasn't articulated appropriately for the new business that they were in. Um, and so getting everybody on the same page becomes a critical component um, to managing a brand that has become large and has become more vast and, and what it can deliver and where it delivers. I think the mistake that I see often when we get called in to help a company with you know a bit of a reset or a refresh is they somehow lost sight of those original strategies. They got put in a drawer like a piece of paper and just were never discussed again. <laughs> you know, they, they're not constantly top of mind, and, and in, for a brand to to thrive, it has to be constantly top of mind, communicated internally and externally on a daily basis. And those filters and those those fences are part of keeping that under manageable control. You know, another another facet of all of that as you start thinking through your strategy is that you constantly need to be doing a check with the market, right? So um, it pays to go back and talk to your customers as you grow your brands and figure out what it, you know, and ask those questions to the, you know, if you're doing your litmus test. And when we do positioning very often, we want to go talk to employees about where are you? What do you understand about your brand? And, you know, um, we talk to customers. If we did this, how would, how would you feel about it? Or, you know, would you be interested in this service or how would it impact? So always keeping up with your research and understanding how you're impacting both your internal and external audiences is very critical. Yeah, and I, I mean, as your company grows, right, 
you can't assume that you do the same thing all the time. You can't assume that everybody knows what you do. You can't assume that it's just going to all roll in to what, you know, to what you expect it to roll into. Um, even a small company, we were, talk, we were talking about large brands here, but even small companies like ours, you know, as people change, as, as business morphs, as your customers give you feedback, as you adjust your service offering, you know, you as the leader can be stuck seeing the same company, but not seeing what the company really has become. Yeah. And that causes a great deal of issue. So again, looking at research, getting the data, seeing things regularly, taking a step back and kind of just com- constantly breaking the mold of what you think you're doing. You may find that's the same company, uh, but it's good for that leader to every six to 12 months take a big step back and go, what are we really today? And are we on purpose or are we on mission? I had a conversation this morning with a company that's thinking about launching up a new brand and they're going to spend, you know, easily seven figures to do it. And I started asking them a handful of questions that they couldn't answer. And so suddenly they put, they're like, maybe we need to put this on pause. You know, we're not, we're not sure this is the right fit for us. We thought it was because it seemed really good. Everybody else was doing it. We thought we should do it too. It looked really lucrative. We know we can make money on it. We've got deals that we can put into it. But, you know, they hadn't taken really nearly enough time to think through what the implications of launching a completely separate brand was going to do to their organization. When you guys have all, you guys have all talked about it and touched on it, but we always talk about um, the brand being a living, breathing thing, and it, this speaks to that, right? We have to always monitor. I mean, uh, if you have a pet, for example, I know it's a little different, but if you have a pet, for example, like they, they, as he gets older, his needs are going to be different. Let's mm-hmm. say, you know, says, you know, maybe it's hip problems or you know, cataracts or whatever. As they get older, you've got to you've got to tend to this mm-hmm. to this living, breathing thing. So um, I think that's that point is well taken. Um, so. One theme that I've I've heard throughout the, whole, the this episode is that um, communication is key. Uh, is it is it simply internal communication or external? Is external communication important as well? I mean, you want everyone to be on the same page, but you do need to also signal to the market who you are, what you are, mm-hmm. um, and why. Right, and, and and is there a level of transparency that needs to come with? Hey, um, you know, we've we've become this, or we're doing this, or. Yeah, I think, I think one of the variables that people are starting to forget, or not starting to forget, or having to deal with, sorry, more frequently now is the speed of, of the change that's happening. Um, it used to be that IBM could be the best at business machines for 40 years, and then when the market starts to shift to manpower and people thinking through issues, you know, they've got 20 years to think through that problem or 30 years to think through that problem. Today, eh, you might have a month. <laughs> right. You might have a year. It, it, the technology, the way that the organizations, that people are changing, the tools that they have to do different things. Um, I think, it, it, to Jonathan's point, it exacerbates what he walked into today um, is that, you know, they don't have the time to sit back and think. All of their competitors are all of a sudden offering this new thing, and it just happens. Um, and I think, you know, our ability to to step back, look at that, come up with a way to, you know, our, our, a leader's ability to step back, look at that, figure out a way to communicate why change matters to the market, to the product, 
to the service, to the to the company, to its employees, to its customers, um, is even more critical today. It's just happening faster. It's always been a part of it. It's just happening faster. Well, and it means that there's an organic process, right? That mm-hmm. wherever you are and the messaging that you have constantly has to be updated and tended. And companies have a tendency to assume what their brand is and then just let it ride and not really think it through. So there's the, a constant attention to it, both internally and externally. But I think there's a tendency to want to, you know, maximize your investment on that product that you've maybe created or the service that you've created. And and they'll, they'll want to ride that investment wave for as long as they can, not realizing that the competitors, you know, leapfrog them 2x while they sat there and coasted for a couple of years. So they have their rose-colored glasses on thinking that their, they're, you know, their brand is doing really well. It's really amazing. And all the time they're really falling farther farther, and farther, farther behind. behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm in the market. And we see that a lot through the voice of the customer interviews and the gap analysis that we do. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that, uh, that about covers this episode. Uh, thanks for your time. I appreciate the insight. Um, this has been really, really, um, um, educational. So thanks. Thanks Chris. Thanks for listening to solving for B. We hope you enjoyed this week's discussion. Please subscribe to the show and rate us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Every review helps the show reach fellow branders and marketers. We'll see you next time on Solving for B with Brand Extract. <laughs>